Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Schmitz, joined by my co-host, Mike Schmitz. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Today, we're talking about the crucible. This is a little bit of a follow-up from our last episode where we talked about life themes and how this often comes from our biggest point of struggle or pain in our life. So Mike, can you share why did you have the inspiration to have a podcast called The Crucible? (laughs) Well, you basically said it, (laughs) and that is that when we were talking about the life themes, I realized as we were going back and editing that, that episode that the real valuable stuff was uh, near the end when we were talking about the struggles that we went through in finding our our life themes. And I think the life theme itself is something that everybody can say, yeah, I would love to figure out my why and have that bring motivation to everything that I do. Nobody wants to go through the discomfort, though, that (laughs) is required in order to land on it. True. And that reminded me of this concept called the crucible, which I have heard from a bunch of different places. The one that really sticks out to me, though, is this short little book by a Navy Admiral, William McRaven, called Make Your Bed and 10 other, it's basically 10 short life lessons from his experience in the the Navy. And uh, one of them in there is specifically talking about this crucible, which is this hell week, basically, that they go through with all of the new recruits. And uh, they're to try to keep you up as as long as they possibly can so that you're always tired and they make you do all of these exercises and things. They push you past your limits, basically, in order to weed out the people who can't make it. Because when you're in war, you're going to have to go through some pretty intense circumstances. So it's kind of training you for that environment. And everybody who goes through it, once they get through it, that's kind of like a tipping point in their life. That's the point where they say, I took a big step up in my life when I made it through this thing. And so as it comes to life themes and maybe stress and anxiety and all those sorts of things, it's not always bad. But how do you figure out, you know, what's the good stress that's causing you to grow and what's the bad stress that's just broken systems that you've been neglecting for too long? Yeah, thank you for explaining that. I thought it'd be interesting to go through the actual definition of what a crucible is. It's a few different things. In one sense, it's actually a vessel made out of a material that's incompliant to high heat, and it's used to melt substances that do require high heat to melt or break down. Also, it's uh, the definition can be a severe test, which is what we are referring to in this episode. Also, it can be a place or situation in which concentrated forces interact to cause or influence change or development. Also, the second and third definitions is really what we're focusing on. Yeah, well, actually, they're all related. So this first one, for melting a substance, there are different points when the same, the same elements change physical form. So there is a point when water becomes a solid, and that's the freezing point, 32 degrees Fahrenheit. There's also a point when it becomes steam at 212 degrees. Right. And you can be in hot water and not not be boiling yet. There's a, a an extra degree there between 211 and 212, or from 33 to 32, that causes the state to change. 
And that's really what a crucible does. Those periods of stress in your life, they cause you to change from one state to another. But we don't think about it that way a lot of times. We feel like the same person, but when we look back on things, we can recognize that that's the point where I was marked indelibly. From that point on, I was a different person. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The states of matter change, and and we can put ourselves in there as the vessel, and we go through the fires of life, trials of life, and some people come out better. Some people are crushed by it, but it's really a matter of what we do with it because we're all going to face things. And this was a big thing I remember Pastor teaching on being a thermostat and not a thermometer. Right. And controlling the the temperature. That was a, a big revelation point for me. You don't have to just sit there and take the temperature of things going on around you and complain that things are bad. You have the ability to change things. Another way to view that is this whole concept of like personal responsibility. I actually just gave a webinar on this for this sweet setup. We were talking about habits. And habits are interesting because they're these little things that are easy to do logically. You think to yourself, well, it's only going to take me a couple minutes to do this thing. Of course, I can do that every day. But then you have trouble getting it to stick. Well, why, why is that? It's because you can just sit there and try to endure everything that the storms of life will throw at you. And a lot of people, they try to do it through willpower. They strap themselves to the mast and they sail right through the the siren song, you know, and they try to make it through instead of thinking to themselves, well, how do I actually change the culture and the atmosphere of where I find myself right now? One of the things I said in that webinar is that you are always the problem, but that's also a good thing because it means you are always the solution. Yeah. <laughs> so don't take that as like, well, it's your fault that you're in this this place. Use that as uh, it's actually freeing when you when you accept that perspective when you accept responsibility, whether it's your fault or not, is kind of irrelevant. Yeah. But when you say, I am the keeper of my life and I have the ability to change my situation for the better, and if it doesn't change, that's because I have failed to act, that's actually really, really freeing because now you don't have to wait for somebody or something for the stars to align in order for your situation to improve. Yeah. And you said the word perspective, which is funny because I was just about to talk about perspective because how we deal with um, trials and fires in our life, it really comes down to perspective, how we see it, how we see ourselves and seeing it right. Because when we are in the thick of the anxiety, the stress, the struggle of whatever it may be, whether it's a job loss, whether it's just extreme circumstances or anything really, it could be symptoms in your body, a sickness. Perspective is what can get us through or can crush us, whether we have the right or the wrong perspective. And a message I heard recently that is still just, I'm still just meditating on, it's still just sitting in there brewing on perspective that we can't rely on our own perspective all the time to have the solution. We need to get a third party involved sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to touch on that having the right people in our lives is critical. Yes. And sometimes we are so in the thick of it that we don't see it right. Mm-hmm. And so having a spouse 
that is strong and can help set us on course. Having pastors or a mentor, having, you know, for us, we are believers, we are Christians. And so we believe that we have the Holy Spirit to help us. And so we have that third party that can come in and say, you know, you're not quite seeing this right. And they can help get our perspective bigger and aligned to what it should be to help us get through and be victorious over that trial. Exactly. You know, in that book I mentioned, the very last chapter in that book is called Don't Ring the Bell. And he Mm. tells the story of when you're going through that hell week, that boot camp, when things are really, really bad, the very first thing that they do is they take you out to like the middle of the, the grounds and they show you this bell and they say, at any point, you can make it all stop and you'll never have to get up early. You'll never have to do the the any of the exercises you the you never have to do any of the the work just ring the bell and you're done and lots of people would ring that bell but he talked about how they developed these relationships and when other people felt like quitting and they would start to talk like you know this, I'm not even sure this is worth it anymore and they're thinking about going and ringing that bell they would pull them back and be like, no. And just what you were talking about, they would help them realize that this is a temporary situation. This is only a short period of time. And once you make it through, then you're changed and you come out on the other side, stronger, better, and ready for the next thing. But if you quit right now, if you go and you ring that bell, then you're going to wonder the rest of your life if you really had what it takes. And you need people in your life who are going to not let you give up, yeah. not let you ring that bell yeah. and help you recenter and see things right. Recognize that whatever you're going through right now, this too shall pass. Yes. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We walk through. Well, if you stop walking, then you're not going to walk through. <laughs> yep. But if we walk through, though it feels like we're surrounded by death or discouragement or whatever it may be, we keep going. No matter what it takes, keep putting one step, one foot in front of the other and keep going. Don't stop ever. I love that picture of ringing that bell and having the right people around you to be like, to rally and say, no, don't ring it. Don't give up. Yep. Yep. And sometimes that's all it takes is somebody who says, I believe in you. Yep. <laughs> Just one person, mm-hmm. you know, and so we should be looking for those people that we can we can encourage them not to ring the bell. You know, I'm thinking of the story of King Solomon in the Bible, and everybody likes to quote the verse in where the Lord appears to Solomon and says, ask whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And he asks for wisdom to go in and out before God's so great a people. So he gives them wisdom and he gives them everything else he didn't ask for mm-hmm. because he recognized the responsibility that he had and his focus wasn't on himself and what he could get. But before that, it says that Solomon made a thousand sacrifices on that altar before God appeared to him. How long did that take? How much did he have to invest in that? I mean, sacrifices in Bible times, animals, livestock, like that was a symbol of your your wealth. So that cost him something. What if he would have rang the bell at 999 and said, you know, this just isn't isn't working. I don't know if this this is real. His whole course was altered because of that one moment when God showed up and spoke to him. Yeah. But I envision a a situation where he's easily discouraged and he's like, you know what? I got other things to do. This just isn't worth it right now. And how many other Solomons can we encourage until they get to that point where they have their own encounter 
yeah. and things have completely changed for them. Yeah. Yeah. And it was my pastor's wife that helped me get through one of the hardest times most recently in my life when I mentioned it, I kind of talked about it quite in detail the last episode and it revolves around how I found my life theme and my life's purpose was born out of the death of my father. And I was six years old when he unexpectedly passed away. And it wasn't until I was 37 that the light bulb went on and my life's mission statement was born that I will help people experience the love of God by revealing the one who is a perfect father to the fatherless, establishing the lonely in the family of God. And if I had not learned to stop running from the pain, rather facing it, to stop denying that it was there and bearing it and just grow from it and be truly healed from it, that life theme wouldn't have been born because the ignorance and bearing of it didn't mean that I had moved on. I didn't want to identify myself with it because it was too painful. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, in heeding the wisdom of my pastor's wife and seeing it, I was able to find my voice and my mission and my purpose in life. And that was to in help, or sorry, in turn, help others to find the same comfort and purpose in knowing who they are and why they are. Mm-hmm. So I, I challenge you to just look into your own life. What is it? Is there something that you've been denying or running from a pain or a struggle when in reality, what we should be doing is facing it. Yeah. The, uh, the whole idea here behind the crucible is that the challenge and the discomfort and the pain, you can say, this is a bad thing. And I just want it to end as soon as possible, or you can turn it for good and you can grow from it, but it depends on your perspective. And you have to get to the point where you are not willing to be offended. And I say willing intentionally because we have a choice when mm-hmm. somebody says something that we don't like. Yep. We can receive it and say, maybe they're right, and maybe I should consider how to apply this to my life. Or we could say, I'm just not going to receive that. And, and a lot of times we receive the things that the that we shouldn't, and we discard the things that we should. When people are placed in your life, leaders specifically, their job is to to build you up, to lift you up, uh, to get you to go to a higher level. Yep, propel you to your desired end. Yeah, and the way that they do that is not going to be comfortable. If you're always comfortable, you're never growing, so they're not doing their job. And this is where a lot of people miss it, whether it's a pastor or some other leader in their life. The leader sees this is the thing that's going to make you better, that's going to take you to the next level in your life. And they say something and you don't quite see it right. And instead of trusting that they see it better than you do, you discard it because you you say, well, that doesn't feel right to me right now. I can't see the connection there. So I'm just not going to going to do that. And then what happens is you plateau and you stay at that point until you learn to see it the right way. And I think, you know, when it comes to the crucible and these challenges in your life, like your life theme, for example, 
that wasn't the first time that you had the opportunity to say, yes, this is my life theme. Mm -hmm. You probably had many, many opportunities prior to that. That's just the one that you recognized. And so that's when things changed for you because that's when you started taking a different, different course of action. And I feel that a lot of people are facing the same test over and over and over again. And they, they keep failing it because they haven't learned to see it the right way. But the moment that you do, then it causes you in your life to be upgraded. So don't discard what your leaders are, are telling you. Recognize that most a good leader anyways is not in it for their own selfish gain. They get no pleasure from telling you, hey, you got to do this hard thing. But they do it anyways because ultimately it is they, they care about you and it is the thing that's going to help you get where you need to go to maximize your full potential. Yeah, definitely. And when you said that thing about offense, that's so key because we can, you can be treated horribly, for example, but you can choose to not let it bother you. Mm-hmm. That's obviously much easier said than done, as we can all attest to, I'm sure. But when we know who we are and why we are, then it's much easier to not be offended and to see things right. And if someone challenges us, not to take it personally, but to be able to kind of step back and get a little bit of an objective perspective on it Mm -hmm. and just see it for what it is and not internalize everything. When we're sensitive and we, if we have a low self-esteem or we try and please others all the time, then we will internalize all sorts of things that we shouldn't. We can even be offended with our children. Mm-hmm. And so knowing who you are and why is is critical. Yeah, and it's not, it's not just like a once you get it, then everything's easier sort of no. a thing. It's the same... It's a different situation, but it's the same approach over and over and over again throughout your life. So if you feel like, well, you missed your opportunity because you can identify one of these points where you didn't pass the test, don't beat yourself up about it. Just get ready for the next one because there are constantly these opportunities to to upgrade your life by going through these these crucibles. Uh, It doesn't always have to be the aha moment in connection with your life theme. Like one of the ones that happened for me fairly recently was the the opportunity that we had to go to Costa Rica. When we were asked to consider going to Costa Rica, it was during a period when I had been let go from my previous employer. I was trying to launch faith-based productivity and it just was not a good time. Not that there is ever really a, a great time for that sort of thing, but I had every worldly reason to say, no, this is not the right time for, for us to do this. And through a set of circumstances, you were going to go. And then um, basically from that point where we had resolved that you were going to go because they needed someone to help with the photography, that's when my crucible started because uh, you came back from getting your passport photo taken and I remember you telling me, Mrs. Ms. Willoughby wants to to see you. I was going down to church for another meeting anyways that was ministry related. So I got there and she goes, so Michael, <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a talk. And basically she told me that pastor and her had prayed about it and they believed that where we were, we needed to be together. And they weren't telling us what we should do. They said, whether you both stay or you both go, it's completely up to you. But because of the timing of all of this, the the trip was in a couple of months. I think it was a little over two months. 
They said, we need to know basically within 24 hours. So we went home and I struggled with it. And I learned a valuable lesson through that though, which was to connect with what the spirit of God was telling me. The thing that I got finally, as I was struggling with this that night is go to bed. The answer will be there in the morning. I remember you had to take photos the next morning. So you weren't even around when, when I was got in the shower and I believe God was telling me like, picture yourself saying to your leaders, you're going to Costa Rica. You're not going to Costa Rica. What does that do inside of you? We needed to be in agreement. So we were going back and forth via text message and you had sent me a message said, I think I'm finally able to separate my emotions from this. And the answer is not now for us. And I'm like, well, we're still not in agreement then. So you better talk to Mrs. Willoughby. And she told you the same thing that God had told me in the shower. Say it out loud. You're going to Costa Rica. Say it out loud. You're not going. What does it do inside of you? And in your words, you said, when I say we're not going, I feel icky. (laughs) When I say we are going, I do a happy dance. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So we called our, our leaders and said, okay, we're in. And said, okay, well, how are you going to pay for it? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) But within 24 hours, our trip had been paid for. Mm -hmm. I had gotten connected with a hybrid book publisher. And I had been offered my position at the the suite setup. That was the point, basically, I believe, that all of that stuff got unclogged (laughs) because I made it through. And uh, I think that's a great example of a crucible moment in my own life. And I look back on that often now and I'm thankful that we were able to get through it. And the lesson that I learned from it that I call it the spirit test, you know, we we taught it to our boys and that's been critical uh, several points since then. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was that moment though, that taught me that lesson that has produced good over and over and over again throughout our lives since. Yeah. One scripture I want to share is dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. That's Philippians 4, 12 and 13. And when we go into a, or I don't know, you don't go into a trial knowing you're going into a trial necessarily, but Mm -hmm. if we can grasp the fact that we can have joy through that, that will help us get through and have the right perspective and see things right. And, you know, you can say, well, I'm going through this horrible pain, this suffering right now. Well, count it all joy because if you persevere, do you know how much stronger you will come out on the other side? Yep. And it reminds me of a phrase our pastor's wife says all the time. She said it the 15 years almost that we've been at the church now pedal before the hill yep if you're riding a bike you don't want to have to stop and walk your bike you want to gain momentum so that you can get all the way up the hill and then on the other side you get the bonus of coasting down really fast and it's super (laughs) fun and i remember doing that as a kid like you pedal 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 so that you can get that momentum and have that that really awesome rush of reaching the climax of the hill and then going down so so fast And that is just the picture I get is if we are living in a way where we have these habits in our life that are building momentum, we have the right people in our lives that are helping us build momentum so we won't ring that quitter bell. Mm -hmm. Then when that trial comes, because we don't necessarily know when something's going to come. Nope. Sometimes we can see it coming, 
And a lot of times we don't. But if we are doing the right things, if we're building our faith, if we are building ourselves up and reminding ourselves of who we are, then when that comes, we are pedaling. And so when that steep incline gets steeper and steeper, higher and higher, then we already have that momentum. Our legs are already moving. We're already pedaling. And though it gets harder to pedal, we are still pedaling. A slightly modified version of that, I think, which is maybe a little bit more accurate, is if you are pedaling on a uh, like a stationary bike. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of like interval training mm-hmm. because you see like the number of dots on the screen to indicate like how hard it yeah. is to pedal right now, and uh, you see those coming, you know, and you have to push through because that as you climb the, the, the hills, the things are, are difficult. Like you can see when you're going to get a little bit of relief. But I think the mistake that a lot of people make is like viewing it outside. There's this giant hill between you and your destination. As soon as you get to the top of that hill, it's all downhill from that point. And it's not. <laughs> the interval on the bike is a lot more accurate where yeah. you pedal and then you get a little temporary reprieve and mm-hmm. then the next one comes. Yeah. So don't get frustrated when yeah. you experience that because we think for whatever reason that life is just supposed to be easy and it's not. Mm-hmm. And the most fulfilling uh, the most fulfilling version of your life is not the easy one. Right. It's it's not taking the path of least resistance. That's kind of the whole point of the episode here is don't look for those easy ways out of things. Just recognize, you know, we we don't want to put ourselves in a position where things are harder than they have to be. Right. But when we find ourselves in a position where we do have to go through some things, don't be upset that we've got to got to do this. This is the way life is and recognize that there's going to be some good that comes out of this if we just persevere and we we never quit. Yes, and we did talk about Viktor Frankl the last episode too. And he is such a great picture of having different outlooks and how you can go through the most horrific situations and come out inspired, rising above the situation. A man who lived through the Holocaust, being in concentration camps, and spending the last decades of his life helping people find their own purpose. And that wasn't the fate of most prisoners that were in Mm -hmm. the concentration camps. But that is just the most extreme picture that I can think of in recent history of a real life example of someone that has risen above and not given up and come out better on the other side. I completely agree. And that's his perspective basically is not selfish. Like I want to get through this. No, he's helping other people. That's kind of what we talked about last time with the Mm -hmm. life theme is that if your vision for your life is only about you, then it's it's too small. But ultimately what it comes down to, regardless of where you find yourself in the pursuit of your life theme and your life vision, why are you here? Figuring all that out, the resources that you have available to you, which is essentially your time, your energy, and your attention. You can always get more money. Most people view their job as, as uh, I'm going to put in my time and I'm going to trade it for this, this money. But where things really get exciting is when you start to invest. And it's not just 
you're going to work, you're trading your time, you're getting money and you're paying your bills, but you're investing with an eye towards the future where there's going to be more that's going to be coming back to me later because I am foregoing something that I want right now. And that's where when you apply this principle of the crucible, whether it be for you and your family, but ultimately uh, investing in terms of how can I multiply what I have for the benefit of others, that's where things get really, really exciting. Yeah. And when our vision for our life, our purpose isn't greater than ourselves, then when things start to go wrong, then depression and all of that deep anxiety personally, interpersonally, in our mind, emotionally, can really set in and wreck us. Yep. But when it's bigger than ourselves, then it's it's harder for that depression and all that type of stuff to have a hold on us and just to change us in the way it can because we're living for something bigger than ourselves. Yep. A cause that is bigger than ourselves. That's a great way to to say it. And when you have that, then it's easy to invest because your your focus is on the big picture. Mm-hmm. It's on the the long term. But the day to day can bring us back into short term thinking. And also instead of being broadly focused on our place in the the larger whole of humanity or our communities or even our families, it's just selfish. It's me, myself, and I. (laughs) Yeah. And when you combine those things, then any sort of discomfort is, it's morally wrong, you know? But when you recognize that, you know, it's not really all about me and it's not really all about now, then that helps us get through some of those periods of discomfort. Right. Do you think I should share the story of the, Forged in the Crucible of Life by Mordecai Lightstone. (laughs) Yes. Before you do this, though, I just want to point out that you may go through something and it may change you and it may leave a scar. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. So scars can be reminders of victories that we've won. Yeah. And actually, this gets me thinking about something that I feel like I should touch on with identity. So as a mom, as a wife... If we find our identity solely in mothering our children or getting so caught up in that, that we're not having our identity or our purpose be anything else, there is something that could happen. And I've seen it happen with people when their kids are all out of the house. If they're so, so pouring into and focused on their children and not building their marriage through those decades of raising children, then once they get to that point of, oh, we've been married 20 years or more and our kids are starting to leave the house, they start to look at each other in a way where I don't know you. (laughs) So instead of growing together, they grew apart because they were so focused on the children, which is completely out of order. Mom and dad were there first. Without mom and dad, the kids wouldn't be there. And so it is paramount to build our marriages and this is probably something we should really do devote an episode to. Yeah. But it just made me think about how when our identity is beyond ourselves, that's great. But also we can't have it be so stuck and focused on one part of our life that the other parts get neglected. Does that make sense? Yep. Totally. 
Okay. Well, I came across this story that is by a rabbi, Mordecai Lightstone, very much a rabbi name, I think. (laughs) (laughs) He wrote a story called Forged in the Crucible of Life, and I thought it was very appropriate for our episode today, so I'm going to read it to you. A king once had a prized jewel, an exquisite diamond. As he held it to the light, perfection glinted from every of its luminous facets. This gem, he felt, would be the crown jewel in his magnificent diadem. One morning, the king awoke. Upon taking out his precious treasure, he found, much to his dismay, that there was a single thin crack descending down its face. The greatest jewelers were called to look at the stone in hopes of fixing it. But nothing could be done. The crack ran so deep down the face of the diamond that any effort to remove it would further ruin it. Finally, one jeweler, a simple man from one of the neighboring villages, stepped forward. He would save the diamond, he claimed. The king laughed. The greatest craftsman in the world had seen the gem and deemed it hopeless. How could this simple jeweler hope to do anything? Seeing, though, there there was nothing to lose, the king informed the jeweler that he could spend a single night with the diamond. If he managed to fix it, then he would see a great reward. If, however, he did not succeed, a bitter lot awaited him. Locked in his room, the jeweler took a long look at the stone. It was truly magnificent, sparkling like the fire of the sun on the surface of the water. And the crack, however thin, could not be removed without destroying the precious crown jewel in the process. What could be done? The next morning, the jeweler came out with the stone in hand, a look of triumph on his face. When he produced the gemstone, the entire entire royal court, the queen, the ministers, and even the jester erupted in an uproar. The scratch had not been removed. It remained in place. The jeweler had instead etched a rose, the symbol of the kingdom, on the face of the diamond, turning the crack into its stem. The king stood up from his throne and embraced the simple jeweler. Now I truly have my crown jewel, he said. The diamond was magnificent until now, the best I had ever seen. It was, however, no different than any other stone. Now, though, I have a truly unique treasure. And I just thought that was such an incredible story because you have this simple jeweler Mm -hmm. from a neighboring town that comes in and he doesn't look at it for what it is with a crack. Like you can't fix a crack in a diamond. It's not possible. But he sees, he changes his perspective and sees he can do something with it that'll be more magnificent. He turned it into something awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And I just thought that is such a cool picture that when we have the right perspective, no matter what we're going through, we can truly create something that is incredible. Yep, absolutely. So if you have had a trial, you're going through something that's really hard right now, I encourage you to rise up and face it, to rise above, not allowing you to, st- that just don't stop, don't ring that bell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But do what you need to do to accelerate you through that trial. Get the right people around you because that crucible moment can cause you to stutter and stop or it can can propel you, it can project you 
to your desired future. Thank you for listening to the Intentional Family Podcast. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentionally.